You're listening to The Breeding Mound by Mitchell Luti, performed by Scott Miller and Anna Capraro, produced by Citadel Studios for Sentinel Creatives. Jens felt a kick to the leg, and his eyes snapped open with a jolt. He nearly blacked out again from the pain, a sharp blade cutting at the meat behind his eyes, his forehead. His vision swam. Here, came a voice. His brother's grinning face appeared above him. Diedrich held out a glass, and Jens accepted it with a grateful nod, taking a deep sip before spitting it out and glaring at him. To take the edge off. <laughs> said Diedrich with a chuckle. You were gone last night, came back here well after dark, babbling about horns and wolves and pregnant churches. I couldn't get a word in. Then you just fell on your bed and started snoring. You wander into Fjordeberg's nursery, trunk off your arse. That must have been a shock for the matrons, eh? Jens groaned pulling himself up in his bed and placing the aquavit on the table beside him. Fragments of the night slowly started coming back to him. The longhouse, the dance, the girl and her flower crown. And then it blurred, horns and bleeding women, a wolf and the stink of rot. He let out another groan and clutched his head between his hands. It feels like Thor is beating my head in with his hammer. Get me some water. Please, brother. Thor? Diedrich gave him a bemused look. A night in the longhouse, and we are suddenly invoking the old Norse? Water. Jens croaked, falling back against the pillows. Diedrich rolled his eyes but retrieved a tin mug from his knapsack by the door and filled it with icy cold water from the bathhouse. His limp seemed less steep, Jens thought, as he watched him go about the task, his strides less cautious. Jens took a deep sip from the mug, his brow unknitting as the water dampened the fire in his head. Who is waiting for us? he asked, his eyes flicking to Diedrich. What? You said someone was waiting for us when I woke. Who? Diedrich shook his head, raising his thick brows. You were snoring so loud I couldn't hear myself think. The kick was from me, but... Anything else? You must have been dreaming. Jens frowned into the mug. He was sure he'd heard Diedrich talking to him. 
A blurry reflection stared back up at him through the water. He looked like shit, pale with dark rings under his red eyes, his hair a messy nest, but no horns. Let's go have a look around, said Diedrich, nodding to the door. From the sunlight filtering through, Jens guessed it to be around mid-morning. Maybe find ourselves some breakfast too, eh? Or one of those farm girls. Diedrich clasped his hands together and grinned. The wariness of the day before seemed to have left him, and his smile was genuine. All right, brother, said Jens, the throb in his head starting to dull as he slowly swung his legs over the side of his bed. But then it's time to go. Wissenberg is waiting. Our parents will need to know they still have two sons left. Diedrich's smile faded, and he let out a sigh but nodded. Hey, this is Scott Miller from Sentinel Creatives, and I'm responsible for many of the character voices you hear on our show. We have a small favor to ask, and it'll take but a moment of your time. This year, we're pleased to report that we've been nominated in the People's Choice Podcast Awards. If you love listening to our stories as much as we enjoy putting them together, please consider voting for us. It's a small but meaningful gesture, and we go a long way to supporting what we do. Thanks for listening. Where is everyone? said Jens as they walked through the quiet streets. They hadn't seen a soul since they'd left their lodgings. The only sound coming from their boots against the road and the occasional snigger from Diedrich at his brother's misery. The day was warm, and Jens had unbuttoned the collar of his shirt and carried his coat. What day is it? Diedrich paused to adjust his bootlaces, taking a knee while his brother waited. Maybe they're in church, or all stuck in bed, their heads knocked in by Thor's hammer. It's Wednesday, said Jens, only half listening as he stared across the town. The forest appeared closer than he remembered, its roots and boughs sprawling across the fields, nearly atop the orchard by the river. A warm wind stirred through the branches, for a moment exposing the recesses within. Dark woodland paths disappeared behind the thick gorse and crooked trees, winding their way to parts unknown. Shadows shifted with the wind, creating skeletal shapes and silhouettes that danced upon the woodland canvas. We'll go knock on Bjorn's door and see if anyone's home, said Diedrich, getting back to his feet. Good idea, said Jens, distracted. His eyes were fixed upon a shadow in the woods. He'd thought he'd seen a splash of colour, a flicker of golden yellow passing between the trees. But when he'd looked again, it was gone. It was nearing mid-afternoon by the time they found the townsfolk of Fodebjerg. They had gathered on the edge of the forest, in the shadow of an old mill. Men sat on haystacks, smoking their pipes and gossiping, while the women tended to the children, chasing them through the field and splashing around in the river. A crowd congregated near the trees, and Jens and Diedrich came to a stop just behind them. 
What is that? Jens said, peering over their shoulders at a wooden structure set up on the edge of the forest. He spotted Axel a few feet away and tensed, waiting for Diedrich to spring. But his brother seemed unbothered by the doppelganger's presence, his gaze passing over him without so much as a clenched jaw or bald fist. It's some kind of tower, said Diedrich, his eyes fixed on the structure. Jens looked away from Axel, taking in the assemblage of wood and scaffolding that stood over them. It was as tall as the lofty trees behind it, and near as wide as the longhouse they'd feasted in the night before. A pair of what looked like arms hung by its sides, above the scaffolding and lumber that would be used to complete it. The pyre of Saint Ansgar, said Björund, ambling over to them. He pushed his way past Axel and came to a stop beside Jens. The pagan, said Diedrich, finally turning his gaze from the pyre. He was, he was, said Björund, nodding his head. But after his conversion, he spread the word of Christ from village to village, until he met his end in this very forest. But he was a pagan first. Oh, aye, said Björund. We celebrate the life of the man, the good and the bad, each step a step on the way to his enlightenment, even those that took him into the embrace of the old ways. Jens and Diedrich exchanged a look. But you don't believe in the old ways, do you? He remembered Björun's comments about God and the pagan stories working in tandem, existing in parallel, both true and non-contradictory. A blasphemy concealed by a smile. We do not believe, said Björund, opening his palms wide. We fear. We fear many things, as should you. We fear the spirit of the earth, who raises storms, and whom we must fight to secure our livelihood each day. We fear the moon. We fear the sun. We fear want and hunger, disease, war. We fear malevolent spirits who would do us harm. We fear the souls of the dead and of the animals we have killed. But we do not believe. Diedrich was nodding to Björun's words, but Jens snorted. How can you fear something you don't believe in? Because it is right to do so, said Björund, his broad grin unmoved by the question, though Jens thought he saw a flicker in the man's eyes. Annoyance? The knowledge and experience of generations has been handed down to us by our fathers in their wisdom. Though we may not know how they came to be, we keep these rules and traditions so as to live protected from evil. How did he die? asked Jens, steering the conversation away from the matter of duality of faith. He'd never heard of this Saint Ansgar, nor any other saints from Denmark for that matter. He didn't care what gods Björund held so long as they left him alone. Björund shrugged. Beasts, perhaps... Or his enemies finally caught up with him, beasts of another kind. We remember his life here on St. Ansgar's day, not his death. You will stay with us for this celebration? We really must get home, said Jens. There was something unnerving about the shape of St. Ansgar's head, he thought. It was crooked and oblong, 
The wooden posts surrounding it seemed to him like the horns of a stag. It stirred an unsettling feeling in the pit of his stomach, and he shook his head. One more night won't hurt them, said Diedrich, putting a hand on Jens's shoulder. And I'd like to have another go at those farm girls you scared off. How about it? You said you wanted to leave today. Jens glanced at his brother and then, under his breath, You said these people smile too much. Diedrich chortled. Perhaps they've got good reason to smile. Look at this place. The sun is shining, there is food and drink, and tonight there will be more of it. He gave Björund a look, who nodded in affirmation. I'm in no rush, brother. Jens followed Diedrich's outstretched hand as it swept across the field, past the river, and the plumes of smoke from the men sitting beneath the mill. It was... peaceful, he had to admit. The only scars the men bore here were from working in the fields, and the women were free of the downcast expressions that usually accompanied seeing the loss of their loved ones to war. One more night, Jens conceded. But we're leaving bright and early, so let's not overdo it, eh? It's settled then, said Björund slapping his palms together and grinning, his limpid eyes near protruding from his head. Your first St. Ansgar festival. You'll never want to leave. The St. Ansgar's Day feast was held outside, on a patch of field beneath the old mill. Lamps and torches held the night at bay, while a great bonfire kept winter's creeping touch from the celebrations. The longhouse's benches and tables had been arranged in a semicircle facing out from the millhouse and toward the forest and the strange effigy that loomed beside it. Jens waved away the aquavit, smiling thinly at his brother's curiously cocked head. Not after last night. I have learned my lesson. I will stick to honey lager and thank myself in the morning. Suit yourself, said Diedrich. He snapped back both shots in quick succession and burped loudly before wiping his mouth. I intend giving St. Ansgar the celebration he deserves, and if that means a roaring headache in the morning, I'll consider it penance for my sacred duty. Jens rolled his eyes as Diedrich quaffed down a giant sip from his tankard, the golden liquid spilling down his chin and beard. It had taken the better part of the day for him to put the hangover behind him, and he was in no mood for a repeat of the night before. His eyes wandered across the tables, past the smiling Birun holding court to a captive audience. More tales of Lindorms and Nisa, no doubt. He paused for a moment on Axel. The man had grown somehow paler and more gaunt overnight. He wasn't eating. In fact, he was barely moving, his eyes fixed on the towering effigy the feast was in tribute to. Firewood had been stacked around the base of the structure, and hung from it like the hem of the saint's robes. Some of the scaffolding had been removed, but they wouldn't be done building it until the first winter moon, and then they'd light it. It'd be a blaze large enough to put the bonfire they had now to shame, and Jens wondered how they'd never seen the fire from Wissenbjerg before. Come, brother, said Diedrich, his words pulling Jens away from the effigy. A toast. Jens sighed, but seeing his brother's somber expression, he raised his tankard. You said there was nothing left to drink to? Only reasons to drink, I finished Diedrich. 
He thumped his tankard against Jens's, spilling lager across the already wet table, and pursed his lips into a sad smile. To Eric, Jens agreed. He took a deep draught from his honey lager and slammed the empty tankard down onto the table beside Diedrich's. They drank until the early hours that night, Diedrich hard and heavy, Jens slow and steady. But when the moon was at its highest and the townsfolk took to the field in song and dance, Jens felt a warm buzz come over him. It was only when he couldn't find her that he realised he was looking for her at all. The hazel-eyed farm girl of the night before. He saw her sister twirling in the grass beside Diedrich, but of her there was no sight. He felt a little of the shame of the night before come back to him as he stood alone amongst the crowd of revellers, but tried to ignore it as he watched them churning the field with their feet. They'd all donned flower crowns and necklaces of barley. He'd even lowered his head to accept one of his own, and it now rested above his ears. He should have been laughing and singing with his brother, but it wasn't the same. And after another moment, he decided to call it a night and slunk silently away from the feast. The air was quiet and still as he made his way back to their lodgings, and he huddled into his coat against the sharp breeze that had followed him from the field. His head held low, his shoulders hunched. He wouldn't have noticed the forest if he hadn't looked up to the soft clicking sound coming from ahead. Jens paused on the path, his head cocked to the side to stare at the trees. They had got closer this time, he was sure. Their branches now hung over the roof of their lodgings, like crooked fingers scraping against the wooden boards with each gust of wind. Satisfied he'd identified the source of the sound, Jens carried on his way. But this time, with an eye turned toward the shrouded mass of the forest. The moon was bright enough to illuminate the edges of the woods, and Jens stared deep into the knotted confines and shadows that lingered there. The sound of snapping branches sent his heart racing, and he froze in his steps. There was something there, something staring back at him from the woods. He couldn't see it, but he could feel it, a brooding presence drawing nearer. Another crack echoed from the trees, and then a long, hollow tearing, like one of the ancient pines had just been uprooted and was being dragged across the forest floor. There was a movement beneath the trees, in the corner of Jens's vision. He tried to follow it, but it stayed just ahead of his gaze, disappearing into the dark shadows beyond the moon's touch. The trees around the shadows began to sway, their branches rustling like some presence was pushing them aside as it moved through the forest. Jens flinched as a bestial bark echoed from the forest. A challenge, or warning, a promise from whatever lurked within the heart of the woods. His heart pounding in his throat, Jens ran the last few steps to the lodgings and slammed the door shut behind him. Jens peered out the single window of their lodgings, his flintlock gripped tightly in his hands. The weapon was reassuring, a cold certainty after the questions posed by the unknown that night. There was a presence in the woods, one that instilled in Jens a fear so ancestral, so primal in nature, that he'd had to fight off the urge to simply fall to his knees before the forest and surrender himself to it. For a brief pause, He'd nearly succumbed to the instinct, 
joining his ancestors, the fire worshippers and moon dancers, in a steady line of fear that had only ended when man took axe and soared to the dark places on the horizon. They had pushed back the unknown with fire until only man remained. His musket was the legacy of this fact, and he had shrugged off the feeling long enough to pick up the weapon. His mind had focused after that, narrowing in on the smooth, repetitive process of loading the firearm. All other thoughts had faded into the background while he'd completed the task he'd done a thousand times before. Then he'd settled down to wait. The moon had long since reached its zenith by the time Jens shifted from his knees in front of the door. His muscles had started to ache, and the gnawing sensation in the pit of his stomach had lessened with each passing moment. Branches still tugged at the roof, but he'd gotten used to the sound, and the hair on the back of his neck no longer prickled when he heard it. Maybe he'd been mistaken. Maybe his instincts were nothing more than a hand-me-down for a threat that no longer existed. What had Björn said? Some things we keep simply because those before us kept them, too. Maybe his fear was like that. Exhausted and still a little drunk, Jens slumped down on his bed. He'd keep an eye on the door, he thought, even as his eyes began to droop. You've been listening to The Breeding Mound by Mitchell Luty. Performed by Scott Miller and Annika Praro. Production copyright for Sentinel Creatives.